There's a cloud of many witnesses with Christ in heaven above. Watching as we run this race, they cheer us on in love. There are faith. Take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Never, never know what's going to happen as a Christian. It's exciting life to see how God works. I know this, that when I'm weak, he's strong. And the weaker I get, the more potential for his manifest power to be demonstrated. So I'm excited what's going to happen today. In verse 9, you have to excuse me if I have trouble reading this, but I'm going to do the best I can. After this, therefore, pray ye, Matthew 6, 9, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Notice the word thy, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, or give us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Notice the word thine, for thine, that's the Father there. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, I have prayed that prayer. I feel I have it memorized. I've prayed that prayer thousands of times. Thousands of times. You say, Brother Bill, don't you know how to pray? I don't know anything outside the Bible. I want to stay small and you're not going to get better than what the Bible says. You can theorize and philosophize and man can come up with real flowery words and sentences, but you're not going to get better than what God has. And I always figure if Jesus said, I want you to pray this way, it may be a good idea to do that. Make sense? Do it God's way. And I don't think he gets tired of hearing his word. I know my son, is he here this morning? I used to tell my son, I want you to clean your room up. And uh, we prayed that he would marry a woman that loved to be clean and neat. <clears throat> Enough said. But uh, he... But, but you, think I'd have, you think I'd have gotten mad at him if he'd come up and said, Dad, I'm going to clean my room today. But when I woke up, I would have said, Son, do it. Do it. We live in a crisis of fatherhood today. It's probably not new because sin works against being a father. I have some statistics. Since 1970, single-parent households have doubled, according to the American Census Bureau. Some 18 million children, 27% of the children, are growing up in single-parent homes. By the way, this statistic's uh, pretty old, so it's, it's worse. Single-parent is... Uh, almost as likely to have never been married as to have been divorced. 
are there some three million children plus with no father? Living together has increased some 700-fold since 1970. 70% of the juvenile delinquents in detention centers and reformatories are from are children of fatherless homes. Statistics indicate overwhelmingly that violent crimes are committed by males raised without the fathers. Rapists, 60%. Adolescent murderers, 72%. Long-term prison inmates, 70%. Now you can argue all you want about how important it is to be a dad, but the statistics bear it out. The reason that God didn't want you to get divorced is he wanted you to raise your children together because you need to do that. Uh, you, you single moms out there, God bless your soul, but you can't do the job. You can't do it. You have to have both. God made it a combination of both. You need a strong male figure. I thank God I had a good home where I had a saved dad, saved mom, married their whole life together, uh, you know, and died that way. That was a beautiful thing. It's ideal. It's God's way. It's beautiful. Not everybody gets that though, right? What is the hope of America? Well, the hope of America is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Our Father. I know that some of you here were deserted by your father as a child. You never had known what it is to have his arm around you. You never have known a love and security from a father. You never have been able to trust a father. He never played ball with you or watched a game with you. He never saw you graduate or get married. He never tucked you into bed at night or ever kissed you on the cheek, and said he loved you. But I have good news for you. You have a heavenly father that is better than any earthly father ever dreamt of being. And he wants to take you in his arms and love you. But he can't do it with your sin. Just like a regular parent cannot love a disobedient child. Do you reward your child for lying? Do you reward your child for stealing? That sin has to be dealt with first, right? Because sin separates you from your own, right? You have to get right with each other and you have to get right with God the Father to have Him as your Father and that's done through His Son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Who does that? It was the only way. If you could have earned your way to heaven, He, he, would, he would have had a way you could have done that. But there was no way you could be good enough because you could never undo your evil. You can apologize for it, but you're never going to undo it. He sent Jesus because Jesus had to take your place and take my place. But he watched as his son took your beating. 
He watched. I have to believe that during the crucifixion, Jesus, one of the seven kisses of Calvary, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I have to believe that he did that. To save those soldiers. Because the father's patience in allowing his son to be beaten must have gotten thin a little bit. <laughs> Forgive me, I'm just a mess. Some people can cry without their nose running, but not me. How many here does their nose run when they cry? Raise your hand. God bless every one of you. I've always been envious of people who could cry and their nose didn't run. A small thing. You can have a father. Through Christ Jesus, you can have a father. I'm going to point out four quick things about a father, about your heavenly father. Number one, having a father in Christ Jesus and through, through Christ Jesus getting to God the Father. It animates or implies intimacy. Intimacy. He is our creator. He knows us. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know ye that the Lord, he is, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. He knows you in, a, in every detail. Emotionally, physically, socially, economically, spiritually. Jesus said in, in, in Matthew chapter 10, Verse 29, and are there not two sparrows? God's humbling me this morning, I'll tell you. Oh. Are there not two sparrows worth a farthing or sold for a farthing? And one of them is not, shall not fall to the ground without your father. He says, but the very hairs of your hair, the very hairs of your head are now all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, for ye are more valuable than many sparrows. Do you believe that? Psalm 27, verse 10, When my father and my mother forsake me, and some of you have had that experience, the Lord will take me up. I memorize that after the death of my mother. She forsook me. My dad forsook me in 201 when he died. My mother forsook me in 208 when she died. Now I'm an orphan. Or am I? 2 Thessalonians 2.16 says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation, good hope through grace. 
comfort your heart. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. In Romans 8, 38, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 John 4, 9 says, And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might have life through Him, that we may live through Him. There was a story told by J. Wilbur Chapman of years ago of this man that had gotten off at the Pennsylvania bus depot as a tramp. And for a year, he begged on the streets for a living. And one day, he touched the shoulder of a man and said, Hey, mister. Can I have a dime? As soon as I, he saw the face of the person he asked, it turned around. He was shocked to see that it was his own father. He said, Father, Father, you know me? I'm your son. When the recognition happened, they both hugged each other and said, Oh, my son, at last I've found you. I've been looking for you for years and years. And you ask of me a dime? He says, everything I have is yours. Think of it, the man said to Wilbur Chapman. I was a tramp. I stood begging my own father for 10 cents when for 18 years he had been looking for me to give me everything he had. That's what God the Father is doing for you this morning. He owns the hills and the cattle on a thousand hills and he's looking to give them to you. And instead, you'll, 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 you'll play in this world's garbage and exchange the little fun of sin. Our Father implies intimacy. Our Father implies protection. He will never leave us nor forsake us, the Bible says. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, And the Lord, He, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. I, I, I don't want to... Does fear come upon you? Does fear come upon you like a ghost? Does fear come upon you like the fog this morning? Fear is an awful, awful, awful taskmaster. Fear will, fear will settle on your soul like a chill. And you'll begin to fear things. By the way, they say 95% of everything you fear never happens. And aren't you say amen to that? It's that 5% that bothers me. Joshua 1.5 says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Woo! Doggies! I like that. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. First Chronicles 28, 20, he says to Solomon, and David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be, be dismayed. Evidently, we have a high propensity of being afraid and then eventually leading to dismay. You know, dismay is, is sisters with despondency. 
Those are the D sisters. You don't want to be around them. Despondency and dismay. Horrible, horrible. You've probably been there. God will let you go there just so you know what it is. And he says, don't, don't do it. For the Lord thy God is with thee. He's with thee. Even my God will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. God's not going to let you go until he's done with you. He's going to finish his course with you all the way. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Do you believe it? He's our shield. This all goes under protection. Under protection, he will be with you. He, he will protect you. Uh, he will not forsake you. He is our shield. Uh, one of the verses I like is 2 Samuel twenty two thirty one, where it says, As for God, he is, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. I like Psalm 18, 2, where it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust my buckler, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I like Psalm 20, verse 7, where it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now, I'm glad the way the election came out. I worked hard for it. I prayed, I fasted, I tried to tell everybody it's possible. But that's not going to save us. No man is going to save us. Psalm 33, 16, 20 says, There is no king saved by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by his much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by a great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help, our shield. Last year, this year, some year, I, I got on to uh, Social Security, Medi Medicare, I think it's called. My whole life I've been saying it'll not be there when I get 65. Hey. I still haven't gotten a check yet. So a couple of you have a couple more knee replacements. I won't get nothing. So you guys replace your knees like you get your teeth brushed. I suppose this is free. Why not? Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Is he? Is he yours? Do you live day by day trusting in the Lord? Trust in the Lord with all. This is a famous verse, you know, Proverbs 3, 5. Say, Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. Do you believe it? Our Father not only implies intimacy and protection, it implies provision. This is some. It's getting better. He will supply our need. I declare unto you, based upon the Bible, that God's going to supply your need if you'll trust Him. Philippians 4.19 is the verse, for my God shall supply how much need? Oh, you know that. According to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Psalm 34.4 says, I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from 
Every time I look at it and do this, say all. Okay, let's do this again. We're going to practice. Okay, we got it. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from my fears. Oh, I like that. Verse 6, 34 of Psalm. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry, the Lord, the Lord heareth, and deliver them out of their trouble. Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. I, I messed up a little. He delivers you out of them all. At the end of your life, if you trust God, you're going to say what I just read. That's what you're going to say. You're going to say, not one word of all he promised has failed. That's what you're going to say. Not one word. Of all that he's promised is faith. I believe Joshua said it. I believe Solomon said it. And I think you're going to say it. And I think I'm going to say it. If you'll trust in God, this whole thing called life is a test of who you're going to trust. You're going to trust yourself. You're going to trust the world. They don't know what they believe. They change every 15 minutes. Or are you going to trust God, your Father? Father implies intimacy. It implies protection. Lastly, it implies presence. God is not a God from the distance. Bette Midler sang a horrifically horrible song. A few, but one of them was from a distance. I'm going to start singing it. From a distance. And she goes on to explain in a song that, you know, God really, I believe he is, but he don't really care because he's so far away, he can't really see who I am, he doesn't know what I'm doing, and he loves me from a distance, which really does me no good. And people love the song. It was a catchy tune. God, I don't want a God that loves me from a distance. God will do me no good loving me from a distance. I need a God that loves me intimately. <laughs> I need a God that loves me at hand, near at hand, where I'm in trouble. And trust me, in the few years I've walked with Jesus, he's been there. There's been times I had to have him right now, not tomorrow, not an hour later, right now. And he's come every time. I had Troy as a six-month-old in the Volkswagen. I had a 1969 Beetle. How many owned a Beetle? You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, you know how they had the gas tank in the front? That was smart, huh? And I had this little 1969 Beetle. And I had Troy... Now, back then, you didn't have safety belts. You didn't have your kids crawl around on the dash, <laughs> top of the roof. You know, I mean, you didn't care. Your kids crawl around like animals. But they were happy. Didn't wear helmets to ride a bicycle. What is that? But anyway, the, uh, we, uh, we were going down. I remember we got out of church, Grace Bible Church. 
and we pulled out on the main road there, and there was a big intersection to corner, and we were on our way to that intersection. I happened to be the first car to the intersection. I had a Volkswagen Bug. Troy is in my wife's lab, because that's the way we carried the kids. We figured we could make more. We carried the kids in our laps. That was smart, right? You hit something, he gets smashed first. And I remember seeing a guy come run the red light in one of those station wagons. Now, most of you old people know what them old station wagons were. They were 25 feet long. They weren't really that long, but they were 20 feet long. I've measured one with a tape one time. Those station wagons were 20 feet long. I don't know what they weighed, but they were, they were jerk. And this guy in his station wagon, he, I could tell he was just really drunk, and he ran. I'm, I'm at the light, stopped, first car. And there was a guy behind me, and this guy is, is honing. I mean, he is rolling. He's probably going 50-plus, and I can see him. He's weaving like this, and he goes through the light, and he comes right into my lane. I mean, he lines up with me, and there's no driver. There's no head. I don't see anybody. Remember now, I'm recording this in super slow motion because when you get into an emergency, your mind goes into this thing called super slow motion where you can, every little jot and every little, every little tittle and every little, you just photograph it. And my whole life, that's how your whole life can pass before your eyes in a matter of a few minutes. And this thing just is frozen. I'm like watching this guy come. I got my hands on the wheel. Kathy's got Troy. Front seat, gas tank in front, little bug. I'm thinking about all that. Like, and this guy's coming about 45, 50, and he's coming, and I said, oh, Jesus. You know the story because I'm here. The front of that, years ago, cars didn't have very good suspension. When you hit the brakes, the front would go down. This kid, this what? there's no driver. He has not appeared. All I see is a steering wheel. And all of a sudden, the front of that car goes down. And I, I said, oh, Jesus. And the front of the car goes down, and the brakes applied and, and squealed to within six inches or so of the front of my vehicle. And he stops. If you ask me, I think God stopped him. When he stops, I see him do this. He wanted to know why he stopped. Throws it in reverse. You know, it's that three in the tree. They had throws it in reverse, backs up. Kathy's in the audience today, I think. And goes off to my never touches me, goes off to my left. I believe God is a God of the present. I believe God. I could I could sit here and you, you wouldn't want to hear them all, but I got story after story after story. God saving me. God being there when I needed him. Listen, Jesus will never fail you. You're never going to be able to point at a finger at God and say, you failed me. Now, I'm not saying you do. You will understand what he does and why he does it. You'll not be able to understand God's mind on the thing. But you, if you will trust him for who he is, your father, your creator, the one who thought about you and formed you and gave you your DNA and every little complexity in your, in your being. He thought about you for that moment. He does love you. I know the devil lies about him. I know the devil says he don't care. I know the devil says he's not here. I know the devil says he don't exist. 
because he's a dirty, filthy liar. What a breaking heart. What a broken heart it is if you miss him. You miss him. God's given you, he's made you in his image, he's given you his free will. What's that mean? That simply means if you want to go to hell, you can go. If you want to disbelieve him, if you don't want to believe him, you can disbelieve him. If you want to deny it, it will not change it, but you can deny it. See, denying hell doesn't change it. Because there is such a thing as absolute truth. Now, if you've been to college, those heathens at college have told you there is no such thing as absolute truth, that it's just progressively taught by culture and taught by environment and switches and changes with the ages. But brother, that is a lie from hell. There's an absolute truth. All of nature denies that because in science, all you have are laws. We send people to the moon because of laws. We fly the space shuttle because of laws. All of the universe cries there's laws. And you know what? You can say, I don't believe in gravity. Give it a shot. When I was a young man, I was wandered away from God horribly and got into drugs and stuff and experimented with LSD. And that could be some of my problem. But I had a friend who did LSD, and he thought he could fly. Went to the top of a building. I said, I can, I can fly. He died. Another one said he could fly, jumped out of a car. He died. You can say anything you want. God's, God has given you freedom. Use it how you want, but all I can say is the consequences of your choices you will face as those boys faced. And I, if I was you, I'd come to Jesus and say, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for, thank you for saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Thank you for loving on me. Thank you for letting me to hear this this morning. Thank you for just coming and being patient with me, though I've been so rebellious. I've been so errant. I've been so hard-hearted. I've been so wicked. God, thank you for caring and putting up with that and loving on me anyway. And please accept me in the beloved. Please, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And put your faith and trust, childlike faith and trust in Jesus Christ who gave himself for you. You believe you're a sinner unable to save yourself? You believe that Jesus Christ came as, as God's only son, not one of them, but the only one. And he actually did come born of a virgin and lived 30 plus years, was crucified on the cross to take your place and your sins. Eventually was resurrected the third day to prove that of all the people that said they were the Messiah, Jesus was the one. And now offers you the gift of eternal life as a gift free of charge that he paid for. And you say no. You say no. You say, well, I'm having trouble believing. He'll help you through that. How many in here have had trouble believing? How many in here have ever had doubts? We all struggle with that. But we struggle through it. Not quit. 
I hope you trust him today. I hope if you've had a, maybe up to this point, a horrible life, that you'll turn to Jesus and say, I want, I want you to be my father. Help me. Now, it's a process. It's a time. God will work with you. But he'll help you. Father, we pray this morning. Thank you for miraculously letting me see. And thank you for uh, this respite. Thank you for allowing me to be able to preach this this morning. Uh, thank you for the tribulation that worketh patience. I pray, Father, that you'd be with the folks here this morning, that somebody here this morning, some soul, some wanderer, some lost soul this morning may say, yes, Jesus is my Savior. I want him as my Savior. Now, we're here to help you. The process is we sing a couple verses. During that time, you come. If you would, you don't have to do this, but if you would come, I'd encourage you to come. And we'll take you in the back one-to-one, -one, lady with lady, man with man, and we'll show you just some simple scriptures. We're not, we're not a cult. We're not going to abuse you. But man, wouldn't it be good to hear just a couple of scriptures pray with somebody this morning before you leave? Why not? Your soul's at stake. Your soul's at stake. Father, now do your work in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.